This is the Atomic Shawman Sweat Lodge. He brings the heat to smoke the meat. Going low and slow. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's firebat. If there's a OSHA regulation, he's violating it. The man they call Windigo. He's the resident sound hound. The audio wizard in the acoustic blizzard. Give it up for Van Rollington. The graphics guru of digital visuals. He puts the ass in aesthetics. The tribal chief himself. Klaus Newhouse. The breaking news to breaking bucks. The celebration of white boy summer continues. Welcome to the Atomic Shawman Sweat Lodge. All right, and we're live. I believe we got the full crew here today. We've got Van Rollington. Gang crew. We've got Firebat here today. Yeah, hello, everybody. We've got Wendigo here. You're. <laughs> and you got your host, Klaus. You get no sound. <laughs> That's all right. Looks like David Wu couldn't make it today. We we had the Discord invite and everything, so I'm assuming he got tied up in a Mortal Kombat tournament and couldn't make it back to Earthrealm. That is unfortunate, but I had some questions for him that would have been nice to have answered. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe another time we can do it. Sure. So, but been paying attention to recent events? Yep. How recent? Well, let's say within the last two weeks. So this, there's been another arc inside. A news reporter that broke the Clinton tarmac meeting has been found dead. And I think they've ruled it a suicide, but I'm not, not sure how many uh, bullet holes they found in the back of his head. It happens. It's, uh, good, it's good to know that the, the Clinton assassin is still finding work these days. He's got to be real well paid. I mean, like, yeah. let's spitball some numbers real quick. I, I mean, think he's Agent 46, and like the yeah. video games and the movies are just based on his exploits. They have some bald guy walking around like One Punch Man just clapping people. <laughs> just shit, take a stroll. <laughs> but oh, so, um, I heard there's another trend that's breaking on Twitter. It's it's about breaking bucks. Uh, can you break twenty bucks? <laughs> I could try. <laughs> and I'm not talking about uh, returning two tens or four fives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so oh, so oh, per- so apparently Tariq Nasheed was making a movie about his violent sexual fantasy. Yes. And uh, I've got a sound clip from it, and here it goes. So we've been breaking bucks for about three generations. Most of the time, we're breaking sticks. Uh, Bucks don't give you any kind of problem, but sometimes, well, sometimes you'll get a peculiar buck. (laughs) There's one buck where he was a peculiar type of 
Well, he would act up, but he wouldn't hide it. Spencer. Seemed every week he was pretending to take a nap on picking duty, but with one eye open on coil lock. Oh, he'd take extra more last power. He'd sit his feel ass right down on the front porch. Every week he'd do something rascally and plain outside of the Overseer will call out to the buck to get to the breaking ball. I tell you, these yeah, bucks boys would light right up yeah, before you could whistle Dixie. He'd be in that there bone. This buck will run to that breaking ball like on. it was a we, we, I, I guess he can't hear it, but yeah, they still get it off of my audio. Hell, it got so bad. Boomer, shut the fuck up. Chef, he was going to get his black ass into it. He didn't even do nothing yet. He would skip want, over to that barn and call out, up, uh, Come on, master, this buck ain't gonna break himself. It's almost over. It's fine, I watched a bunch of it already. Which was a Just pleasure. Downright peculiar. <laughs> If you want, uh, on the uh, podcast version, I can just upload the audio right yeah. on top of it. Yeah, you could do that. Damn. Fixed and post-editing, bitches. <laughs> I was going to say, this is actually the funniest Tariq Nasheed movie out of all of them. In my oh, yeah, opinion. the the memes that they're generating is pure comedy gold. The first, I think it was the first Hidden Colors was, was a gem, though, too. That was... Whatever one he was claiming, they were claiming they were samurai and ninja in. <laughs> and I was like, I know you guys love Naruto, but uh, I don't think uh, Shaka Zulu had a Sharingan or whatever that one ability is. Sharingan? Yeah. I think a freaking. I think a Shaka Zulu anime would be kind of funny, though. Well, I mean, they did do an anime based on uh, Vikings and stuff. Uh, what was that called? Uh, oh, Saga. That is the fucking shit. Vinland Saga's dope. Did, like, season two even start yet, or no? No, I'm still patiently waiting. Okay, you're not the only one. Are you guys up on Attack on Titan? No, uh, that goes. Unfortunately, I need to go, like, start the whole damn thing over, because it's been years since I've seen, like, the first season. Oh, I've read the manga and everything, and I loved it. I thought it was perfect. Yeah, no manga spoilers, bro. Alright, I, I got to spoil it. I won't spoil it. Okay, so I got some more news to talk about. So, Black Block is buying up housing at 20% markup to keep regular families from owning homes. And it seems that Ben Shapiro is very supportive of it, and if you look at the board of directors, you'll realize they are all members of the enemy tribe. Huh. Yeah, and a bunch of the old members are members of the Federal Reserve now. Mm. It just sounds like it's all part of the plan, man, that you will eat the bugs, you will live in a pod, and you will own nothing. You will rent the pod. You will rent the washing machine and the dryer too. I don't think you'll rent the like pod. I think the business you work for will provide the you know the pod for you to live in and the suicide nets to keep you from killing yourself. Will they break you like a buck also? Possibly. You know that reminds me of something similar to that. Uh, Amazon has like this little isolation booth you can go into. Yeah, the suicide booth. Yeah. See, I don't know if it's a suicide booth. Uh, I don't know if there's like a, it's made out of stainless steel. It's not the wage cage. That's what they work in. But I think it's something you get to cry into. So when you're on your break, you can go in here and listen to like relaxing music, so you can recharge and get back into the wage cage. I mean, you could have had a union hall, but you voted it down. So I have no sympathy for them. Yeah, that's true. 
I mean, like, these people voted for this garbage. Like, let's just think about that. Some people were calling it the cuck booth, so I don't know. Maybe we should have a contest and they have people vote on what, what we should call the name of this, you know, isolation booth that Amazon yeah. uses. Let's do a side shed. <laughs> but I went off topic because I was supposed to segue into this. Uh, so there's talk of cicadas getting a STD. That's a fungus that takes over their body. It's almost like that fungus that makes those ants into zombies. Oh, yes. And so you imagine being a cicada. Your existence is spent 17 years underground. And once you surface, your purpose in life is to be loud and horny. And then only to die to a fungus or a soy boy that wants to deep fry you and put you on a flour tortilla with guacamole and sour cream. <laughs> oh no. So, Minus the laugh part, it kind of just seems like your average like teenage experience in the United yeah, States. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, I was, like you, you get hit on porn and that's the fungus. Yeah, and I, I keep seeing like these ads and shit for eating the cicadas, but uh, I think we should like uh, hold off on eating them until this uh, zombie fungus goes away, because I, I wouldn't be surprised if it can transfer to other creatures like, besides... What? What if like the like the friggin' vaccine and the fungus like combine to like really start the zombie plague? Evil. It's the plot to Resident Evil. Well, Here I, was, we go. I was seeing something <laughs> about the the virus supposedly make your brain more susceptible to be uh more uh what's it called uh, docile, you know, willing to take orders kind of thing. More kind of like uh, what fluoride Char- used to do. <laughs> the fluoride wasn't enough. Well, there's also other talk about that this uh, vaccine supposedly sterilizes you or, or does something that prevents the placenta from uh, attaching to the uterus oh. wall. Or oh, the yeah. mRNA will do something to your DNA so that your children will either be sterile or uh, the next generation will experience ovarian failure yeah. earlier than life. So as far as I know, like what little uh, science experience I have, I think that one's... That's a good. That'd be like a good choice if they were to do that purposely. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and didn't you have that uh, schizo post? Uh, we were supposed oh, to yes. read that after the the black block thing, but this sort of ties together. Yeah. So read okay. that for us. China can't feed its population. China institutes one-child policy in face of food shortage. China makes secret play. China starts bribing, blackmailing U.S. politicians. Chinese generals openly talk of killing 200 million Americans to China can survive. China's defense ministry says China will follow Nazi Germany plan, but with only one enemy. Multi-decade implementation phase code comes out of China. Bill Gates buys all the farmland. Propaganda and incoherent COVID rules exhaust Americans. Americans so fatigued by COVID they start following rules without question. Bill Gates starts shilling a vaccine. Fatigued Americans take vaccine, thinking they will get their life back. Deep state research company... Predict America will have 200 million less Americans by 2025. China ends one-child policy and tells Chinese to have three children. Question. How will China feed these three child families? BlackRock starts buying American family homes. Who will they rent and sell them to? You are here. Nice. And actually, in terms of, um, in terms of like a real estate scam and like basically what's happening in Australia and Canada right now, and the fact Chinese people are doing that there, not all of it's the first part. Schizo posting. The end result is not. That's, I see. It. I think it's pretty believable. That's why I picked it up and said, "Hey, there's some thought that went into this. I'm, I'm going to scoop up this schizo post and I'm going to share it." 
Yeah, there's a few parts in there. Don't think they're necessarily planned, but yeah, their their idea for Han supremacies, colonization and mixing with people that they don't mind too much, and then just actually genociding those they do. Well, you know, like the uh, the the method, the how we fight this, and there is a a very good movie that uh, should show you the way, brothers, and that is Jeremiah Johnson, and you should watch it. <laughs> yes, it's the only are... way. Yeah. So, um, uh, I got some more war pride. Oh, Sorry about that. Uh, so, I got some more news to talk about. Just two more tidbits. Uh, Chipotle what? seems to be making meals based off transvestites. What? Yeah, so if you go to Chipotle and you try to order, like, a meal online, there should be, like, three different menu choices of these transvestite-based meals. And uh, one of them has sofritas in it, and I had to look up what the hell that is, and it's some kind of fried soy. And so, instead of, like, uh, thinking of Chipotle and associating them with diarrhea, now you can think of uh, transvestites along with that diarrhea. I was confused as to how that was going to work. Like, do I order, like, chicken and I just get steak instead? Like, I don't know. I don't think that's an option. It's like, they already have it pre-selected for you. Too masculine. So, I don't know if this has something to do with Uber Eats or what, but I'm not going to order from them. Oh, yeah, screw that, no. Um... I had one more thing, if you want me to, if I can interject real quick. I don't know if you heard about it yet, but you've talked about it. It was, uh, there was another, supposedly there was a US UFO crash. I can't remember uh, which state it was in. Oh, actually. recently? Yeah. Okay, I didn't hear about the crash, but I heard there was like a sighting in Wisconsin. And I there was there was a crash in Wisconsin. Okay, I so I, that's okay, true. that's news to me, because I heard like the, there was a sighting, and then they were saying that there was some kind of practice thing where the Blue Angels were nearby. And they, were, and they were supposedly told to scramble and chase whatever this craft was. And I saw a video of it, but I couldn't pull it, you know, so I could share it on air. Uh, all i got to say on this subject is if your lying-ass government wants you to believe in aliens, you should question that. It's that's, just the demons they've been talking well, to for the that's, past uh, 50 years. That's what last episode was about. Uh, we were yeah. talking about yeah. Bluebeam and yeah. how uh, we believe that they're going to fake the alien invasion. Oh, yeah, and uh, I got more to add to this, because now there's an article coming out today that says, the Pentagon just admitted to testing UFO wreckage. So it's like, oh, oh, really? So we're going to finally learn the truth of Roswell, or are they going to wait for the anniversary to tell us about it? Well, this so is how shit, it they just goes. said that. They said that with no context. Because, <laughs> of course. Just leave it vague? Yep. I always thought that, like, how it goes with, like, the Pentagon, like, officially, like, declares, like, aliens are real, and then it's, like, really, when you read the article, it's, like, some, like, subcontractor for the Pentagon, like, schizo in his basement comes out and says something, and they just, you know, run that headline. Oh, I have Is this, like, level, actually Pentagon, like, saying it? I mean, at some level, the subcontractors are the people who control the Pentagon. I mean, not to get into... Okay, the, I mean, too fair. Shows, but... <laughs> To, to be fair, this, like, is probably... <laughs> those people probably will be more in the know than people who actually worked at the Pentagon. Yeah. So I saw another interesting report. They were saying there was reports that more QAnon back terrorism is going to happen in the future. Word. So I guess the boomers no longer trust the plan, and they decided uh-huh. to take action of their own. And so I'm expecting more false flags and reasons for gun confiscations to happen now. I mean, uh, we knew what's going to happen because I guess the whole January 6th, uh, I think that uh, narrative's starting to fall apart because they're finding out that people implanted in the crown were actually feds. Yeah, Tucker did a story on it uh, the other day. So he basically 
pointed out that there's unnamed people in the uh, report that uh, basically insinuated some of the uh, actions. And, s- <laughs> and so now the government's asking people to snitch on family or friends that they suspect might be radicalized. Well, here's something. I mean, I can't really attest to, like, deep flag uh, operations, but I don't know if you guys have noticed this as well. There seems to be a lot more gun buyback programs, like, going oh, on yeah. than I've seen. Like, a shitload. I mean, there's even, like, towns near me that are, like, 75 to, like, 95% like, conservative bases that are doing, like, gun buyback programs. Yeah. So, like, it's if you of- show up to these gun buyback things and you offer cash, do you think you could, like, get a collector's item or... They won't let you I comment on every it up single before Facebook the cops post. let you do it. Yeah. I comment on every single Facebook post, and I'm always like saying, if anybody wants to sell their guns, like give them, like show them to me. Yeah, first, and I'll make yeah, give, give them to me. And if you need yeah, to make money, you. I suggest yeah. making pipe rifles and then dumping wow. them all in there so you can use the money to buy a real good gun. Someone did. <laughs> Some dude did yeah. that. Yeah, they did. It was good. Great. Well, I mean, the police kind of like learned their lesson. Now they just give you like a hundred dollar gift card to Denny's. No one actually gives you any cash. Denny's sucks, man. I wouldn't even eat Denny's. Like, they're okay if I'm driving across the country and I need like a an omelet for breakfast, but on the regular, nah, not Pedialyte and Red Bull. <laughs> the Pedialyte and Red Bull diet. <laughs> so, anybody got any more recent events or news that they want to discuss? Uh, news? I don't know. Want to discuss is a strong word. Right, <laughs> <laughs> like that, I'm angry about and very suspicious uh, okay. of. Oh, plenty. I think we'll <laughs> move on to the meat and potatoes. Oh wait, wait, we have a uh, game, don't we? Don't we have a game? Oh, would you like to? to play? Yes, a game? we would like to play a game. Right. So <laughs> I'm almost positive the podcast that we haven't uh, been on in fucking nine months because we're lazy fucks. We had a game called India or Mexico. Because these two countries seem to share a lot of similarities, you know, from the poop water to the spices. Uh, so I'm going to give you guys some uh, stories, and then you guys are going to guess whether it's India or Mexico. We also actually have an intro for it, so let me play it. Yeah. It's big mustaches or spicy foods, contaminated water that tastes like poo. Set that embargo. Is it India or Mexico? Yeah, we got some talent for that shit. <laughs> Professional. Professional. All right. So, one of the first ones that I'll do is a picture one that we already did on the show prior to. Let me share my screen. How do I walk and do all this? Screen share. Uh, picks go live. All right, now do I just click this? Okay. Yeah. So in this country, they have set up cardboard cops to basically stop traffic and more or less, uh, you know, make people think that there is um, some authority presence. And uh, for the most part, it's actually lowered uh, crime rates. So is it India or Mexico? Oh God! Oh, this this has to be India. I'm gonna say Mexico. Yeah, I would say you saw the pictures. It's 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 could be either or. I mean, you I, want an honest opinion? I can't think Mexicans are that stupid. 
<laughs> I, I, I can't do it. To be fair, but that dude definitely has some like natural like phenotypes. So I'm gonna have to go with. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Mexico. To be honest with the chief. All right. All right. The answer is. Oh. Damn it! It's hold it. Damn it! All right. Next story. The president of this country thought it would be a great idea to sell the, basically their Air Force One in a in a raffle. So you basically bought a lottery ticket, and they raffled off Air Force fucking Mexico, and. Uh, soon after a while, after a couple days, people started asking questions like, where will we park this thing? How can you afford it? Like, you know, basic fucking questions. So then they had to redo the whole lottery into, well, we're going to give you money that's based on how much the plane is worth. So which brilliant country's president decided to do this? I think it's Mexico. Mexico, because I remember that. I remember that being a thing. All right, what you got, Firebat? In Mexico. And the answer is... You guys are right. It is Mexico. If that, Only was, Mex- if that was a Boeing 878, then I actually worked on it when I was in San Antonio many years ago. Right. Many, many years ago. Klaus just fixing El Presidente's, like, private... Oh, that plane was fucked up before <laughs> Mexico even got it. It was like a test plane that they decided to gut... And then refurbish and give to Mexico, and it was already having like problems <laughs> <laughs> that I won't go into. Mexico <laughs> theme song, please. What? What, miss? Right. what happened? What happened? All right. no, I just did the Tropico oh. song, please. <laughs> last, last one. Okay. This country's fucking police force decided to start rocking coronavirus helmets. Like literally the. Oh, like shape the, like the virus, like the little shape like the virus. Yeah, I'm I gonna say India. You can look it up uh, once we're done and see what the fuck it looks like. But it's fucking horrible. Oh boy, uh, uh I guess India. You know, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be controversial. I'll say Mexico because that sounds like sort of like a like a Day of the Dead kind of thing. <laughs> Ooh. Like similar. I don't know. It's right. very You're gonna have dead bread do. to go with it, but it's gonna be Corona shaved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dead bread. The answer is. Oh, yeah. yeah, if you have a t- time, you should look that up. Fucking uh, Corona helmets—they look fucking atrocious. But yeah, that's a little game we play on Almost Positive. My co-host was supposed to be fucking here, but he's not. So now I have to fucking play him, like, on my soundboard. You're not a pure Aryan. So, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> that a good sound clip. Yeah. Angel, <laughs> who are you against? LGBTQ+. Plus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, angel, <laughs> angel, control yourself. Yes. <laughs> Some, someone needs to post the freaking uh, picture of like Robert Zephyr, like showing the uh, the Aryan chart where he like shows where Indians are compared to the Aryans. The Europeans are smart people. <laughs> True. Okay, so we're gonna move on to the meat and potatoes of the show. We're gonna talk about warlords 
and witch doctors. I was, I was watching several documentaries this weekend, and uh, actually one of them was like a Vice documentary when back in the day they actually made stuff that was worth watching besides the newer stuff where they just have naked guys standing around in a circle jerk saying may i honor your cock and touch it you know one of those kind of things whoa i mean i, I mostly watch dark side of the ring but i haven't seen that oh they <laughs> mean the hell out of it on the facebook so i'm sure you've probably seen a, a meme or two referring oh, okay. to that episode I still have to say, like, the, the best Vice documentary, or it's not even documentary, it's more like a short clip that's ever been done, is them in Sochi, Russia. Uh, they were following the uh, punk band Pussy Riot, and yeah. when the Cossacks beat the shit out of them with whips. And it's still, like, the most fat-worthy material out there. <laughs> I, like, I like the one where there were, like, the, strong, the Giants of Iceland. That was a pretty cool one, too. <laughs> that was a cool one, yeah. That was neat. So, Are like, watching this uh, video, they were talking about uh, Liberia and how it came to be, how, you know, uh, President Monroe gave them a copy of our Constitution. They have a flag with 13 red and white stripes and one star, you know. They're uh, free, recently freed of African slaves were allowed to go over there and start over. <laughs> <laughs> And they were they were discussing like problems with this country, the like modern time problems where they don't really have good sewage, and you know they just got raw sewage flowing in the streets, and the people were addressing this problem to their president, and instead of actually doing something about it, he went to the beach where everybody defecates at. He dropped trow and took a shit next to his people to show that he not only is he a man of the Ordinary. people, but he is a man of the poo poo as well. One struggle, Liberia. I am very white. <laughs> I'm not going to render an opinion on that. And so, and so, like these generals that that fight these wars in these African countries, they they have an interesting naming convention. Uh, some of these aren't even real generals; they're just honorific titles given to them depending on how well they perform war crimes. And one of these generals, he called himself General Rambo because he watched the movie and thought Rambo was a badass. So he called himself General Rambo to strike fear in the heart of his enemies. And then there was like another general. He called himself General Mosquito because in Africa, mosquitoes are scary because they bring disease and they bring malaria with them. So that scares the people. And then there was another general who fought General Mosquito and he went by the name General Mosquito Spray. So, it doesn't sound as scary as General Mosquito. General Insectistock. Yeah. 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 Maybe General General Agent Orange or General DDT. That might have been scarier than, you know, Mosquito Spray. Because I think of off when I think of Mosquito Spray. Where's uh, General DDT would kill General Eagle Shell. Where's where's General Fetal Alcohol (laughs) Syndrome? And so, like, a lot of these uh, these generals like to employ child soldiers, as sad as that sounds. Um, and the, the way they go about doing it is they drug them up, which sounds a lot like uh, the trauma they use and drugs that they use to break down someone's psyche and, and fracture their personality so they can make a MK Ultra ca- candidate. Or if you, uh, you know, if you're into the whole, if you're all into that and the the Manchurian Candidate stuff, it sounds like a simpler version of how they go about making these child soldiers into killers. I think I'll these snowflakes up somehow. 
And so, like, one of the drugs given to these children is called brown brown. Brown brown. It's a purported it's a purported form of cocaine or meth, and it's mixed with smokeless gunpowder. Now, this powder contains nitrogen. I mean, nitroglycerin. And it's a drug, you know, that they give people with heart conditions, so it might cause vasodilation, permitting the cocaine or the meth to move more freely through the body. In turn, it's believed it allows for a more intense high. And sometimes they refer brown brown as heroin. So they said they supposedly give this to child soldiers in West African armed conflicts. And they were saying one child soldier named Michael Chikwani was writing a graphic novel called Child Soldier, and he talks about his experience at the age of five, where he was a rebel fighter in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and he was given brown brown, and they said that that they cut him open with a knife and they rubbed it into his wound, so he got high that way instead of just smoking it or injecting it. And uh, he said right away, he said he felt like his brain was trying to jump out of his head. Hmm. And then there's, an, there's the another worst. drug... Uh, this one is a little bit different. It's called cot. It's like K H A T, and it's a flowering plant native to uh, Ethiopia. And so this contains an alkaline cathione, which is a stimulant. It causes uh, excitement, loss of appetite, and euphoria. And so uh, they have a history of chewing this, you know, like a social drug. You know, you chew it like uh, chewing tobacco between, you know, get a pinch between the cheek and the gums, kind of thing. And so these people have been abusing it and giving it to soldiers to amp them up, you know, before they send them to battle. And they, they say this is starting to get popular. Uh, this is like a cash crop in Yemen. And they're saying it's starting to appear in markets in Canada, Germany, the UK, the United States. Uh, cultures that normally, you know, deal with this uh, drug is uh, Djibouti, Kenya, Uganda, Ethiopia, Somalia, and Yemen. And so that's another drug that they give to these kids, you know, or soldiers to take away the fear of battle. So they they fight braver. I'm sure it also makes them immune to bullets. Um, that, okay, we're getting into that part right now. <laughs> so, so another notable general, General Butt Naked, he did these uh, sacrifices of the innocent. He would uh, drink their blood or he would uh, have a young child brought to him. He would split them open from the back and pull their heart out. And then he would chop up the heart to pieces and he'd feed it to uh, his children and, uh, I mean, child soldiers and to give them bravery. And they fought naked. And his belief was when they fought naked and had this blood in their system that the bullets couldn't find them. They would, you know, it was just like they made him invincible and uh, he would disappear into the jungle. And that was his belief. And so uh, getting into this guy, uh, his name is Joshua Milton Blahi. He was born September 30th, 1971. He's better known as the name um, General Butt Naked. He was a former commander of the forces under the wider control of the Liberian warlord Roosevelt Johnson. Blahi is known for his violence and atrocities during the first Liberian Civil War in the early 1990s. He was once described as the most evil man in the world. And in 2008, he said he killed at least 20,000 people and carried out regular human sacrifices of cannibalism on children. Nice. So Blahi had stated originally that he was a tribal priest. And since the war, he converted to Christianity and became a preacher. And there's like a 2011 documentary where his wife, Josie, son, Joshua Jr., and two daughters, McKaylee and Janice, were interviewed 
on the life of this warlord turned preacher. And uh, a lot of people like uh, what you would call a, a redemption arc, you know? Yeah. And I Good think one. this guy has his redemption arc for his life story, you know? Uh, he said he led his troops naked except for sneakers and armed with a gunner machete. And he believed this nakedness was a source of protection from bullets. Were they Jordans? You know, it doesn't say if he wore Chuck Taylors, Jordans. It didn't say it. I mean, if he's killing people, he's probably a, more of a Tim's kind of guy. Lens. I, would, I would expect them to do that old school thing where they just cut out, you know, shapes and car tires. And they just use rope to strap them hey. under your feet, you know? Yeah. Right, yeah. No, wait, fuck Adidas. We're going into battle wearing Nike. Yeah. And so they said that uh, sometimes he would enter the water where children were playing. And he would dive under the water, grab one. Or carry them under to drown them and then break their neck, you know, so he could get his sacrifices. I, I know uh, he's become, uh, I mean, he was popular after the Vice documentary, but more oh, recently. I think he was popular before then. But he definitely was, but I, he that sort of like blew up his fame as like a kind of an in-depth into his story. But he recently kind of blew up even more because of the absolute Madlands, Mad Lads episode that uh, Dankula did. Um, which Dankler, I think, kind of does him a bit of a disservice by sort of implying that his conversion was only to kind of get out of war crimes. Um, we can debate it, and I think we should, but I think there is, like, some truth to the fact that this dude actually kind of is turning his life around. I'm going to be honest, like, if he was just doing it to try to get away from war crimes, that would require intelligence. <laughs> and he doesn't seem like a very smart man. Well, I'm not going to lie to you, Chief, that's pretty true. So they're saying that he claimed to a South African star reporter that he met Satan regularly and talked to him. And from the ages of 11 to 25, he took part in monthly human sacrifices. Describing a typical battle, he said, so before leading my troops in the battle, we would get drunk. Drugged up, sacrifice a local teenager, drink the blood, and then strip them down to our shoes and go into battle wearing colorful wigs and carrying imaginary purses that we looted from civilians. We slaughtered anyone we saw. We chopped their heads off and used them as soccer balls. We were nude, fearless, drunk, and yet strategic. We killed hundreds of people, so many I lost count. We were saying that he also purported that during this period he had magical powers that made him invisible and a special power to capture a town single-handedly. Then he'd call in his troops afterwards to just clean up. And then uh, he would he often the age of his soldier boys that were in the early teens or younger would enter battle naked and wear women's clothing. In June 2006, he published his autobiography that included pictures of him fighting with the rifle wearing nothing but sneakers. They said during the first uh, Liberian Civil War, he led a mercenary unit, many of which were child soldiers, and they were known as the Butt Naked Brigade. His troops fought on the behalf of the Liberia Peace Council. They were funded by Roosevelt Johnson and fought alongside the United Liberation Movement for Liberia for Democracy. That's just a long acronym. Militia Against Militias, led by Charles Taylor. Prince Yormi Johnson, uh, Ulimo, I guess that's that acronym, was loyal to Samuel Doe, who was captured, executed by Prince Johnson, and Taylor eventually took control of the country. It said his uh, rampage ended in 1996 when Civil War Liberia was coming to end. He states that his conversion was bolstered by a church in Liberia where Bishop Kunkun is a pastor. They claimed that we have heard from God to fast for 54 days for deliverance, and after the fast, they claimed that God gave him spiritual powers to infiltrate his coven of Monrovia and preach to him. They said shortly after, Blahi claims that he experienced uh, 
a vision in which Jesus Christ appeared to him in a blinding light and spoke to him as a son and told him that he would die unless he repented for his sins. So in 1997, he traveled to Budaburam refugee camp in Ghana, and at that camp he recounts that he made the confession for all of his sins at a church and had his life saved. And subsequently, when he preaches, he says that sometimes he encounters relatives of his victims. He says he feels very bad or so bad, but he insists that it was satanic powers that possessed him in the past, and he cannot be held responsible so Blahi is the president of the End of Times Train Evangelist and Ministries Incorporated, headquartered in Liberia. He's married to Pastor Miss Josie and has four children. In 2004, Liberian-American director Gerald Barclay traveled to Budaburam to shoot a documentary which includes interviews with Blahi. In 2008, Blahi returned to Liberia from Ghana and said that before the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Liberia that uh, was between 1980 and 1986. He and his men were responsible for the deaths of more than 20,000 people. So in 2013, uh, Blahi published an autobiography titled Redemption of an African Warlord, the Joshua Blahi story, modern-day conversion from Saul to Paul, which focused on his transition from a tribal priest to a warlord to his conversion to Christianity. And they said in 2016... He appealed to donors to donate half a million dollars to his Journeys Against Violence NGO, which trains child soldiers in drug addicts and farming and construction. Okay, I have a quick question. You said his wife was a pastor? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I recant. This is a fake conversion. He's <laughs> fake. He's fake, yeah. This fake gay. Can we move on to something else, though? Okay, so uh, you guys uh, remember tw- tw- 2012 when the... Everybody was amped up about the apocalypse and the end of the Mayan calendar. Everybody was listening to Skrillex. No. Yeah, so around that time, it overshadowed an event that most people probably memory hold today. It was Coney 2012. <laughs> he was an African drug lord, and there was like a big push on social media to do something about it. And I, I got a little going. video of it. It's a, it's a real blast of the past, uh, and I'm going to play it. So let's uh, look at that screen. Get that set up real quick. Got so many damn tabs open. <laughs> yeah, let's do research. Oh, here we go. Can you guys see it? Oh, there, here we go. Right. Oh, nice. did it close? No, no, you, well, it's up. All right. Oh, internet historian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is good stuff. Good shit. Uh, this is yeah, Coney 2012 was the story of a man, Jason Russell, and his relentless quest to stop Ugandan warlord, Joseph Coney. Let's begin with the action start. On March 5th, 2012, a charity called Invisible Children published a high-production video called Coney 2012. It was an awareness campaign seeking to mobilize action to capture or kill Ugandan warlord, Joseph Coney. And the goal of the story was to make 
Coney famous. 30 minutes long, it really tried to pull at your heartstrings. At the end of my life, I want to say that the world we've left behind is one that Gavin can be proud of. A place that doesn't allow Joseph Coney's and child soldiers. And little Gavin would have been proud because it took off like no video on YouTube ever had. We wanted 500,000 views in the whole year of 2012. We got 500,000 views in the first three hours. It received 100 million views in the first six days. 1.4 million likes. Click that link in the description below. They clicked it so hard the website went down, and their email was so inundated that the service provider assumed it was an attack and temporarily pulled the plug. The Times named it the most viral video ever. It raised the charity over $20 million. People really went fucking bananas for this video and those Ugandan kids. Four million hashtags. People changed their Facebook profiles, so you knew it was a big deal. A fan-made mobile game. Are you woke about Joseph Coney? Yeah, but are you woke enough to get a tattoo? People were up for pretty much anything to stop Coney, as long as it didn't involve any practical action. One like equals one saved child. But who is Joseph Coney and what's all the fuss? Well, he's the leader of the Lord's Resistance Army, LRA. My God, you're greasy. And he really is one of the most evil people living today. Imagine the worst crime you can think of committing, and he'll have done it thousands of times over. Takes children, makes them kill their parents and eat their parents. The surviving girls will be kept as sex slaves, and the boys conscripted into the LRA as child soldiers. I know, it's kind of a bummer. It's all part of a civil conflict that's been going on for 30 years. We'll get into the details later, but for now, consider this our one-dimensional bad guy. And here's our protagonist. Jason Russell, the figurehead of Coney 2012 and Invisible Children. He's a devout Christian, stereotypically Californian. And I do consider myself a refined valley dude. But he has a bad boy side, too. So it all starts in 2003, when, as a naive and aspiring filmmaker, he goes to Uganda with two friends in search of a story. While driving through a rural village... A car was shot in front of us by Is a rebel a battlefield army or war zone? who was led by a guy oh named God. Joseph Kony. They drive to a city for safety and find Kony this. Kony personally shot at his van? Turns out it's part of a nightly <laughs> routine. Kids live in the villages, <laughs> but commute to the city to sleep there That's to cow. avoid We're being kidnapped in midnight raids by the LRA. Thousands and thousands the of gun was on max settings. Without an adult in sight. <laughs> so it shoots hard all the way in. Story. It seemed all the way in, so it would shoot harder. It must have made a real impression on him, because for the next 10 years he dedicated himself, almost exclusively, to trying to improve things in Uganda and stop Kony. Kony 2012 was the culmination, but in the preceding years he tried a bunch of other schemes. This. The bracelet campaign. This. Twice daily broadcast about where the LRA is and where they're active. Uh, and this. Do what we always do. Dance. This yeah, is all he is a... Uh, way too much makeup. He's either gay or morbid. I don't think he wears too many bright <laughs> clothes to be morbid, you know? Yeah. Probably sitting in Is that a members-only jacket? I fucking hate 
Western civilization. Naturally, current questions state. have been raised about his sexual orientation. I feel like this is an old Navy commercial. That you were gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, just I've gay. heard those rumors. Yeah. <laughs> My parents started a large children's theater organization, so oh, I... Man. You think he's wearing veneers? Theatrical. <clears throat> all I know yeah, is okay, I can't wait sense. till California Straight dries up. Straight men are allowed to enjoy musicals. It's current year. Yeah. Well, should all the eucalyptus well, be catching on so fire right now? Because it's like uh, cover the night. It's over. It's over 80 Here's degrees. So all the eucalyptus hey, is gonna catch for fire. Super special I, just, I, I remember going to DC Whoa. and seeing all this shit nice. posted up. In the kit, you'll find five items. That's a bad bracelet. Dude, I'm responsible for sharing some of this. I was calling out people saying this was like a scam. And the dead of my sister in law like gave him money. I tried to talk her out of it. Wake up to hundreds of thousands of posters. Like three days later when I said how much money they were making. It was going to be amazing. Everyone was on board. The countdown to April 20th had begun. And all Jason and Co. had to do was keep the momentum going. Not fuck it up. Well, Vosh did that, but I think they used the money to buy rockets. Good. Critics say the film manipulates the facts. Oh, Akbar. Oversimplifying a wildly complex the message is too late. Just I will say the media did fuck this been significantly reduced from like with no utterly naive to by next week. <laughs> this will be a passing fact. <laughs> Alex Jones. Oh, that's sorry, no Vaseline. A day or two later, the heady excitement gave way to more down-to-earth analysis. Media commentators started making scathing critiques of the video, and testimony from Uganda wasn't entirely positive either. It's unfortunate that we can have people who are you do not know the way, but using yeah. those problems. Then it got really serious. Oh, brother, Teenage girls started weighing in. Ponies, I asked my mom, and my mom laughs and goes. He died like five years ago. This is wrong, by but it was seen by four million people. From a source of my mum said it, so it must be true. The term slacktivism That's a cool citation. up more and more. Legitimate like questions were asked. How will the money donated be spent? That invisible children would send would have to go to the Ugandan military. Why did you put your son in the film? You know, why would you put your son in the film? You know, why did you put yourself in the more film? More trustworthy than this guy. About <laughs> Why are they saying Kony is in Uganda when he's actually in the Central African Republic? Invisible Children wasn't popular among other charities either. They were hogging the limelight. And they released Kony 2012 just two days before International Women's Day, a critical fundraising time for some. Misogyny at its finest. What the fuck? We need a sleek video on YouTube for us to take notice. Once people started feeling misled, they turned against the organization and squared the blame on one person. The pressure was building. Online backlash and a hectic schedule was starting to take a toll. My phone was getting 10 text messages every second. It was just... Millions of supporters on one side, millions of critics on the other. On and on and on. Make Coney famous? Well, it made Jason famous too. And the pressure kept increasing. He was flying all over the country to spread his message. He took the red eye to New York, landed at five in the morning. Working around the clock. On the Today Show, People Magazine, Reuters. By day three, well, maybe that I was in LA doing interview after interview after interview. 17 interviews in 48 hours. It was the best wow. in He was sleeping less and becoming more erratic. Not being able to sleep, <laughs> not being able to stop my racing mind. Criticism from every direction. Then it was like, you're the worst. You're terrible. And Coney's dead. 
they started saying the whole project was for his ego, or based on greed. And not just criticism, responsibility. How are you going to stop children from being murdered, Jason? You promised a solution, Jason. When are you going to deliver Coney? At the end of that day, my mind was exhausted. To release the pressure, he and his family tried to take a couple of days off by going to Palm Springs. But people recognized him there too, so they hid away in their hotel room with the curtains closed. Jason was starting to crack. Paranoia. Delusions of grandeur. He went with his family to see the Lorax, and he thought the film was speaking to him directly. Voices in Jason's head told him that he needed to get to New York in the next 12 hours, or Coney would win. Whatever that meant. Then, he stripped off all of his clothes and ran out into the street. I was on a street in San Diego. Didn't Martin Lawrence do the same thing? And crazy out of my mind. I, Someone I driving know. by in a car took a film, a video But I think on he wore phone, like a, a winter coat though. He's running around in traffic with like a bunch of winter gear. In the and then the my naked and crazy mess went viral as well. Some have said that he was jacking it and that he was on drugs. Neither <laughs> is true. It's just a oh. very distressing. You sure he didn't get some brown brown from Joseph Coney? Masturbating today? Maybe. No one who that would be the ultimate said that that was happening. Yeah. Yeah, he just, he just naked, wanted to. He was extorting so it's not Joseph Coney for the drug of you know, imagination. He was taken to the hospital, not jail. Oh, didn't see any of that and was taken to a local medical facility that he was not. You probably noticed he wasn't circumcised. He thought the staff were trying to kill him. Just one of those things where I'm like, oh, they I tried don't believe to. what you're saying. They, they to <laughs> he ran around in his underwear, kicking in doors until eventually he was subdued and sedated. You come back to yourself as you know yourself. Dang, they hit him with an elephant tranquilizer. Yeah. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Yeah. Later on, one Sharona Reed tried to sue Mr. Russell for the trauma of having to see him do naked calisthenics. As far as I can tell, though, that lawsuit went nowhere. Oh shit, we were looking at anything else that's worse than running around naked going like this <laughs> on TMZ? Well, maybe one thing. While all of this was happening, the that countdown to the day of action was still ticking. Thousands of kits had been sold. Get ready for an awareness campaign so effective you'll think you're living in Uganda. The kids rolled out into the street. Selfie sticks and posters ready. Let's do it. Let's save those kids. We're changing the world. Oh, God, yes. But it wasn't all well intended. Some took it as a chance to vandalize their neighborhood with impunity. The adults were left to clean up the mess. And despite the impression you might get from this fancy montage, the turnout was abysmal. Here are some figures. Toronto, 50,000 people registered. Real attendance, 50. Sydney, 18,000 people registered. Real attendance, 12. Montreal, 4,800 registered. Real attendance, zero. Instead, they canceled their event and put up a post calling Invisible Children a fraud organization. This is what four million Coney hashtags gets you. Now, I bet you want to know where Invisible Children, Jason Russell, and Coney are now. But before I tell you that, I want to go on two quick tangents. 
of things I found while researching. In the Kony 2012 video, you'll see this guy, Louis Marino Ocampo, Chief Prosecutor for the International Criminal Court. This would be the organization that charges Kony if he was ever caught. Well, in 2017, a bunch of Louis' emails were leaked, and they detailed one hell of a caper to catch Kony and bring him to justice. I'm not making any of the following up, right? Here's the plan. Lure Kony out of the jungle with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie as bait. Straight from a Hollywood movie, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt attempting to arrest an African warlord. So it would go, the A-list couple would fly to the edge of the jungle where Kony That worked with El Chapo, though. Call him up with an yeah. invitation They recycled dinner. that. Kony, starstruck, would of course say yes. He'd show up, presumably bottle of wine in hand and ready like to mingle. Then, imagine they, his They used a telenovela actress to capture him. Special forces would pop oh, out from behind the salad too. bar and get their guy. One idea you know appears saying? to have been for Angelina Jolie to lure him to a private dinner where he would be So they'd probably arrested. assume that couple is there <laughs> to just uh, adopt more plan, kids, you know, so they probably wouldn't be suspect at all. Once Mr. Jolie stopped responding to Louis' weird emails, Ocampo approached George Clooney for use of his spy satellite. The what? chief prosecutor had also Where does he have a satellite? George Clooney in a plot to fly spy satellites over Libya. Uh, yes, that's correct. George Clooney a partnered CIA with a satellite company Duh. to spy on <laughs> Irish counties in the Central right. African Republic. Though. Anyway, he responded that the satellite wasn't powerful Never. enough. So then Ocampo oh, moved on to his backup date, Sean Penn, whom he invited to the UN security meeting. Awesome! Totally awesome! <laughs> what? This, and there were some people having fun Ill. with Coney 2012 as well. Turns out Coney looks a lot like Carl Weathers in the movie Predator. So an idea was formed. I was Take actually behind this shit. <laughs> Posted on Facebook and saying, I was posting a lot of these images saying, We gotta stop him. Then wait for some slacktivists to immediately assume it's Joseph. And why is Arnold Schwarzenegger friends with him? We're doing those kind of memes. Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger's friends with Coney. Then they tried it on the official meetup page. Coney, you son of a bitch. And we're back. So get a load of this total car crash, dumpster fire, shitstorm, diaper hurricane, am I right, guys? Well, no. Despite all the mishaps and poor turnout, Kony 2012 was a massive success. The goal was to make an obscure warlord in rural Uganda a household name. And they succeeded. A reach in the hundreds of millions on a budget of about $1.5 million. Any marketing agency would kill for that. In fact, seven years later, you probably clicked on this video because you have some vague notion of Kony and that video already. Now. Let me give you a very brief rundown on where everyone is, then let's get out of here. Invisible children, outside of long-term and small-scale projects, they've largely ceased operations. Joseph Coney, he's still out there, but his army is shrinking and splintering. He is effectively in hibernation. And Jason Russell, he's no longer with Invisible Children. He's also been breakdown free since 2012, but he's still doing the activism thing. Look, Grifter's got I've a grip, to gloss bro. over so many details in this video, and there are so many more questions to be answered, but I don't want this video to be an hour long or to take two months more to make, so I'm going to round this one off with a Q&A on the second channel. What about that $20 million they raised? Why didn't the US military... Yeah, so we're done with that video. When has enough ever been enough? I just love how his first solution is, you know who I better ask? Celebrities. <laughs>
Right, yeah. They, like, they know more than us, you know? So they tell us who to terrible. vote for and how to live our lives. I mean, that like seems every, like something like the UN would do. You could have just hired a bunch of Rhodesian mercenaries to go take care of the problem. I mean, Rhodesian mercenaries. Oh, who was the guy that, like, bought his own hind and took care took out a whole bunch of militants by himself? Oh, I forget that. That, that was a fucking cool story, though. Was that was in Chad, was wasn't it? Yeah, he was pretty Chad. The Chad of Chad. Yeah, the Chad of Chad. Yeah, dude, that dude, like, he's something else. So, Firebat, you said you had some Warlord stuff that you wanted to talk about? This Mau Mau thing? I would love to. Here we go. So, um... Basically, uh, start this off with, you know, it's sort of segueing this from, like, Warlords to the voodoo shit. Um, one of the things that's often a recurring theme in Africa is uh, the connections between sort of tribalistic um, big medicine, for lack of a better term, and warfare. And uh, there's one particular group that kind of is known for this, uh, known for sort of I wouldn't want to say starting the trend, but being sort of like, this is who they were. And they're called the Mau Mau. And they were an uh, insurgency group active in uh, Kenya from like 1952 to 1960. Um, and it's one hell of a wild ride to, to learning about. If you want to, uh, like, just as a film to get kind of like your toe in the water on this, uh, go watch Africa Adido. It's an amazing documentary. It's not just about Kenya, but you, you'll get a good overview of the Mau Mau situation. But in brief, the Mau Mau were more than just an insurgency group in Kenya. Um, they really were essentially an occult-like organization that had rituals and witch doctors in the group. And that was sort of how you got in. Um, famously, um, they took an oath to get into the group. And there were up to, at certain points, there was like seven different oaths that were kind of flying around and it was really decentralized. So certain groups would have different practices, but there's generally kind of considered one main oath that was given. And uh, there's a lot of debate as to how serious of an oath this was, especially some of the things that said it. So I'm going to read the oath and, uh, and we'll kind of highlight some of the points of debate with it. But the Mau Mau Warrior Oath, uh, the best version we have, here it goes. <clears throat> I swear before God and before the people who are here that I have become a soldier of Gagitu and Mumbai, and I will from now on fight the real fight for the land and freedom of our country, till we get it or till the last drop of my blood. Today I will set my first step, and at this point the initiate would step over a line of goat's small intestine as a warrior, and I will never retreat. And if I ever retreat, may the soil and all its products be a curse upon me. If I am ever called to accompany a raid or bring in the head of an enemy, I shall obey and never give lame excuses. I will never spy or inform my people, and if I ever set to spy on our enemies, I will always report the truth. I will never reveal a raid or crime committed to any person who is not of the Negro Oath, Oath of Violence or Crime, and will steal firearms whenever possible. I will never leave a member in difficulty without trying to help him. I will obey the orders of my leaders in all times without any argument or complaint and will never fail to give any money or goods taken a raid and never hide any pillages or take them for myself. I will never sell any land to the white man. And if I sell, may the soil and all its products be a curse upon me. So, um, some points about that were like, we obviously have the ritual aspect of them stepping over the goat's intestines, taking the first step towards the life of guerrilla warfare, but there's also the curse that's attached to it. And 
again, different sources report different things, but the, the curse was a real thing that these people believed in, and it wouldn't only just affect you, but it also would affect your loved ones. Um, they would kind of have bad magic around them. So a, a lot of the debate that kind of comes around this is, you know, how serious is this? Is this like something that's just sort of a cultural thing since they're trying to sort of be a nationalistic group? Uh, they're just sort of resurrecting some tribal aspects to fly under. Uh, is it sort of just paying lip service to that African past? And I sort of thought like maybe that was kind of the way it was going uh, up until I read this Time article uh, from 1960. Um, yeah, I'm just going to let the article speak for itself. So starts out with just an overview. Of all the colonial revolts that have convulsed Asia and Africa since World War II, none have matched the Kenya's Mau Mau movement for their sheer grisliness. In seven years of terror beginning in the autumn of 1952, 95 Europeans, 29 Asians, and 12,423 blacks were slain by methods ranging from merciful garroting to having their heads bashed in and their brains removed, dried, and ritually eaten. Last week, the British finally got around to releasing the first complete authoritative account of the Mau Mau disaster, an almost clinically detached 322-page report by career Colonel Administrator Frank D. Cornfield, 59, one-time Governor of Karakoram. So, we have ritual cannibalism as a method of murder. Continuing in the section that says corpses and orgies, like African leaders everywhere, the men who organized the Mau Mau faced one basic difficulty in forging a nationalistic spirit. For the ordinary African, a man's overriding loyalties are to his family and his tribe, by compelling Mau Mau members to not only, only violate Christian ethics, but every tribal taboo as well, says Cornfield. Mau Mau leaders deliberately reduced their victims to a state where a man who took the Mau Mau oath was cut off from, quote, all hope outside Mau Mau in this world or the next, end quote. To achieve this, the Mau Mau leadership forced its recruits, voluntary or involuntary, to seal their oaths by digging up corpses and eating the putrefied flesh, copulating with sheep, dogs, or adolescent girls, and by drinking the famed Karabacha cocktail, a mixture of semen and menstrual blood. And when he was assigned to kill an enemy of the movement, a swore Mau Mau pledged himself to remove the eyeballs of his victim and to drink the liquid from them. Once the bloodlust had been aroused to this pitch, the oath-taker was easily led to, to kill his own father, mother, wife, child, or master at Mau Mau command. And any local Mau Mau leader devising a foul ritual was under obligation to pass along his recipe immediately to his less inventive colleagues. Since there were seven basic oaths which could be taken over and over again, Mau Mau ceremonies thus became perpetual orgies. The result was this. When a Mau Mau convert did repent and vomit out his story to the authorities, he sometimes ended by humbly asking to be taken out and shot. His sense of absolute degradation and absolute quote-unquote sin says the Cornfield Report left him no choice. The expert, personally responsible for the general pattern of this horror, charges the Cornfield Report was Jomo, Burning Spear, Kenyatta, 60-ish, longtime Kyuku nationalist leader, still under house arrest in a remote Kenyan mountain village, a mission-educated nationalist fanatic who spent 17 years in England and Europe, where he made himself an expert in primitive anthropology and published a scholarly work on Kyushu customs. Kenyatta diabolically parried the traditional religion of his people and Mau Mau rituals, which, as a cultist, did the legendary Black Mass. In fact, reports 
cornfield, Kenyatta's work showed at least passing acquaintance with European witchcraft. So, yeah, it's um <laughs> something else, really. Um, again, most of these like sort of post-colonial conflicts we see, it's you know communist overtones or some sort of like rebel group attacking thing. another yeah. rebel group because these guys took over, but they're not happy. So we're going to overthrow right. these guys and repeat the cycle. Yeah, it reminds me of that cult down in Central America that used to run, I think it was like El Salvador or whatever, and it was working with like the mafia and the United Fruit Corporation to smuggle drugs. Right, that cult, yeah. like had like a figurehead president in one of those countries. I can't remember who, which country it was. I think it's El Salvador. It, it, this seems to be more, though, like this was a uh, a legitimate movement based off of occultic tendencies um especially yeah, they're, using, when, they're, 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 right. they're going against taboos so they destroy like connections to those groups you know what i mean and they kind exactly. of unite everyone under this like they unite everyone over the destruction of their like of like what they were before and they try to create something new right using witchcraft i guess yeah it, it seems like there's like a theme of like uh, they love cannibalism they can't get enough of it regardless of which area they're at and uh they they make fetishes from body parts and if they can't get it from someone living they'll just dig up some graves and take the body parts so i was watching another documentary where they're talking about these witch doctors and what was that word not sambuco the where were the term that they used for them uh, the term they used uh sangoma yeah the sangoma and so they were talking about this guy, and he was like, well, what, which parts are the strongest parts? And he said, like, okay, the the head the head and the genitals are the strongest parts that cut off the body to make potions or, or fetishes with. And then they preferred, like, an age below the age of 20. You know, the younger the person, the more potent the body parts are. That's what they believed in. And so they were talking about all these methods that we'd use to... You know, drug someone up, or they go to the bar, find someone drunk, and then they'd lead them into an alley and, you know, butcher them there on the spot. And they were talking about there was a rash of crimes where headless and limbless bodies were popping up. And then there was another warlord where they were talking about the guys that were attacking villages. Like, the soldiers were just using machetes and chopping limbs off, like, left and right. I guess they didn't want people getting revenge, so everybody had, like, uh, missing hands. And they were talking about the doctors were saying uh, they never seen anything like it. all these people showing up to the hospital, all these amputees, you know, with like just uh, hands or parts of their limbs just barely hanging on with like strands of flesh. So well, it's like, like the stuff in it's like the stuff they blame the Belgians for. Like, oh, the Belgians uh, chopped the hands off all these African people. It's like the Belgians didn't. The Belgians had African enforcers and they were like, hey, deal with the problem. And the choice they made, those enforcers made, was to chop people's hands off. Right, yeah. I guess, I guess they, they just don't want people happen. getting revenge, and then these people are like, just yeah. kill me. They're, they're like, don't mutilate me. They'd rather be dead than mutilated, you know? Yeah. I think it's, like, important to say, too, that, like, uh, this is very weird to, to modern people to kind of see um, or become ritualized like this. But for the vast, like, majority of human existence, war has always been a very ritual affair. If you even go back reading into reports of, like, the Greeks and Romans 
um, yeah. calling upon omens to to you know dictate battles. Um, you know, I'm sure if you were captured by you know a German tribe in 100 AD, you were probably going to be richly sacrificed. I mean, um, feudalistic thing, wars were a good thing on some. Right. Level. I think I think yeah. uh, something like this could make a comeback, a uh, return to tradition. I mean, it wasn't long ago that a SoundCloud rapper became a warlord out there in the Chad zone. And uh, if you did a deep dive on that SoundCloud rapper, he had some serious financial backing. He just come from nowhere. I forgot if it was Qatar or Dubai, but he was getting some serious money. And I think, and I think that's how he was able to get like all those weapons he was like handing to his street soldiers. I feel like the reoccurring themes that like you see though is that like in Africa, it's it's so much more intense. It's it's cannibalistic. It's necrophiliac. I mean, it's. Bunch of disgusting stuff. It's sort of beyond the pale I mean, what we normally find. It's a more it's, it's it's a population more prone to like sociopathic behavior too. Right. So like even on top of just like you know the various issues that already kind of pop up with norm like with society every society as is it's like you have a larger portion who are just going to violate all taboos to begin with. Right. And then you kind of give them like an actual, like like you were saying, it does seem like it's a European sort of witchcraft thing. So it's like it's probably outside influenced in some way, where it's like you give them this mechanism by which they can use that sort of tendency for like, like uh, I guess physical gain, you know. Right. It also should be noted that that Kenyatta guy that the article was referencing, he became Kenya's first president. <laughs> And uh, his first act as president was to give general amnesty to all Mau Mau. Um, but it, it seems like if you read into the history as well that like he ended up kind of turning on them. The Mau Mau sort of restarted an insurgency against the government at that point. That's a, you know something we could talk about later. Maybe another video. Ends but... members of the Mau Mau cult. It seems like something they they love. What are they called? Or no, no. I said that the Clintons oh. a member of the Mau Mau cult. Oh, yeah, it seems yeah, like yeah. the sort of thing they'd be really into. Sacrificing babies to Moloch. I mean, that seems kind of like what both of them could do. I think they do that in Haiti. Not. It doesn't sound like a Clinton thing in Africa. It sounds like a Clinton thing in Haiti. <laughs> go, go bang each other. Just don't don't touch children. Don't rape. And fucking just don't hurt people. Yeah, be peaceful, guys. Be peaceful. You guys have any more witch doctor stuff? I got a video. Um... I, yeah, I'll do what I want to do after the video. So, okay, yeah. and then we have a second video we can show after that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I got this pulled up on the screen. You guys see it? Yep. This is a voodoo ceremony. To be more specific, a chicken sacrifice that is helping this voodoo fetisher commune with the gods. And, incidentally, that sacrifice also made for a pretty tasty dinner. This is the best, the best chicken I've ever had. I think you get Popeyes to run for their money. Chicken always tastes better. My name is Addison O'Day, and I'm an explorer Thanks. who traveled to Togo, a Get tiny nation in West Africa, to learn more <laughs> about the often misunderstood practice of voodoo. Outside of this part of the world, this faith is often painted as dark, sinister, and an occult practice. The cult of the voodoo. This dance is not to be confused with a religious or ceremonial rite, for voodoo has only to do with the mind. 
ever in crowded cities, the flame of this cup bursts forth, handed down from a time when human blood was spilled on the sacred drum. It doesn't look so uh, sinister. They look pretty Africa, well dressed in this that religion is old documentary. By millions. And for them, voodoo is, is a path to lifelong balance, like. health, and prosperity. Yeah. Without outside influence. Just superstitious shit. For those who practice, one of the best ways to achieve this is by working with a healer known as a fetisher here at the Marché de Fetish, West Africa's largest voodoo market. This is where you get... That's it? It's not a very big market. I've seen farmers markets bigger than that. Snakes. <laughs> and like they have no religious connotation. It's just dudes trying to get some snacks. Well, it's like asking, one stall. You know, if you go to yeah, you're you you asking literally the, the least productive Personally, continent. I was looking for something so, to protect. Pass. I don't think. It, I think it might be the only stall, but yeah, I don't see like anything else. Okay. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie to you. Look at that dude. You can tell he's a good businessman. Understood. I want to go and see. Would you like a shrunken head? So we can have. Are those pomegranates like, like, okay. like a design on his outfit? Believe so. Oh, dude, he's a pirate too. Took me for a consultation. Pretty He's black After some discussion, the fetisher told me he could make me a protective amulet, but in order to do so, we needed to collect a few items from the market. I need. I wonder if it gets like finder's fee, like a 10% for like everything sold at the market. <laughs> dude, class, that is literally the only freaking stall. Yeah, dude, they're, they're not a very productive place. <laughs> this is like a mom and pop store, basically, the Africans go, what are they doing? This is what they make when they work two hours a week. <laughs> After my consultation with the fetisher in the market, I decided to visit a voodoo temple. I was surrounded by statues dedicated. He must be rich. Look how fat he is. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, full starving people looks at this guy. And I went to ceremonies. Not even like the starving pot belly. He's just filled with parasites. He's very healthy. But perhaps what struck me most was how much in common voodoo temples have with other places of worship. Oh, it's also a garage. This is a place for people to gather, where communities are defined. A place to share stories or conduct prayers for those who need help in their day-to-day -day lives. Imagine if they drank malt liquor at the mosque. <laughs> While it's I'm still sacrament. working to demystify parts of my voodoo experiences, <laughs> it's the blood of what I took away from my travels liquor. in Togo Stop. is that this religion is ultimately one that centers on community and how to strengthen it. And it deserves to be recognized as a global faith. I hate white liberals so much. That's pretty catchy. Yeah, it's a banger. It's a bop. <laughs> if they got a bass boosted version, that's going to be my next ring. <laughs> oh, yes. Hell yeah. Maybe we should have a game uh, here at the Atomic Shaman Sweat Lounge where it's like Ethiopia or Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we should. We did. We did. Oh, definitely do that. Shit. Play some like Bobby Schmurder or some like random like West African rapper stuff. There's a video I saw earlier where this guy's like uh, 
showing you how to do the phonetic uh, Zulu alphabet, and he shows you how to make all the popping and clicking noises, and it's pretty lit, man, because it's like, man, I bet they got the best beatboxers around the way uh, Damn. this phonetic alphabet sounds. So I might show that on another episode, but not just today. Like, boom, boom, sh- <laughs> so, Wendigo, you had, some, you had something you wanted to uh, talk about? Yeah, I just wanted to go over the... Um... Like the Africans, like war paint sort of thing. A little yeah, bit. I'd like to hear about that. Because I don't, I don't have that much on it, but it's something. Uh, so black donates power, evil, death. You know those normal sort of things. Um, gray is a gray is a symbol of security and authority, uh, maturity, stability. Um, purple means royalty, of course. Uh, wisdom and passion. Yellow is used for joy, energy, and warmth. And then red is used for danger, daring urgency and energy and then blue denotes peace calmness confidence and affection and then green's used for life and you know the usual now you have like symbols for strength which is usually like a swirl sort of like the celtic ones actually um which is like what i was thinking is i was like i wonder if general buck naked or whatever had the had like the strength symbols painted on him or if he was actually just completely naked but i don't think he ever that was ever specified okay and then they have um, the other really interesting one's the intelligence one because it reminds you of like the symbols and some of their shields. And um, kind of like a coat of arms thing or something else. Uh, no, I don't think in this case it is. I think this is just like a symbol for intelligence. I'm assuming this isn't even from the Zulu area. I'm assuming I'm pretty sure this is. Uh, I remember exactly where I got this from. I think this is West African, like Ghana or something. Well, yeah, I think this is Ghana. Or something like that. Um, West Africa's where all the stuff burrs up, anyway. It's where, like, I mean, not to be mean, it's where all the dumbest stuff is. So, there's, there's <laughs> it's not a competition. It's not a competition. Um, but yeah, there's like the turtles, a side of adaptability. So, Jeb Bush for president of Ghana. That's all I'm gonna Please say clap. there. Please clap. Please clap. Please clap. Uh. <laughs> I was, and I wanted to say on top of all this, it's it's one of those things where it's like, this is obviously not uh, magic that works because you know, British gunfire seems to have done the trick. So don't go out here trying any of this, okay? Disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. disclaimer. Probably not the best idea. You could you could paint as many strength symbols on you as you want. You could still get shot by the police. I mean, I'll be the first one to say here, I don't practice Santeria. I ain't got no crystal ball. <laughs> I was about to say, you have to be naked with your tennis shoes on for it to work. Yeah, yeah, you. <laughs> and you if they don't look at you, you're invisible. It works. You have to have uh, shoes that were... You have to have, like, uh, tennis shoes, and you have to have, like... Uh, if you have pants on, they have to be, like, pants given to you from, like, Goodwill or something. Um... They- What's up? Oh, sorry, Winnie. You keep going, bro. Oh no, I was gonna say, and I also wanted to expand upon the the bush the bush war thing real quick, which is, is this oh, is a thing yeah. everywhere. This is not just the bush war, where they <clears throat> when they go to when they go to dial the site for their weapons, they just put the settings all the way up because it thinks they think it makes the gun shoot harder. It's not even faster. Like they think it makes the gun shoot harder. So they put the settings all the way up on these things and just blindly fire them. Spray and, and pray. Down. It's, it's, yeah. Sounds like how orcs work in Warhammer 40k, you know. 
Well, I mean, good. the difference is if enough orcs think something's true, it's true. You know. I mean, uh, you're not wrong. Versus, like, what was it, the Battle of Bull Run or whatever, where it's like, oh yeah, there's like a thousand, <laughs> there's like maybe a thousand Anglos and like what twenty thousand Zulu, and they're just hitting. I mean, like, it's not a um, yes, yes, that's what I'm thinking of. They just get shot down. Well, I remember there was some other beliefs that, uh, they were hunting albinos down for a while. They were wanting to Ooh, eat yeah. their flesh because they believed they had medicinal properties. Yeah, it was in Tanzania. Thought, like, 72 thought, albinos got murked. Yeah, Holy shit, thought, I didn't think there was that many around. I mean, oh, I, I don't see wow. that many no, around. No, I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah, I knew that many got hunted. Uh, there was like another belief that seems to be a, going around like multiple countries where they believe if uh, you have sex with an innocent, that it will yeah. cure you of the HIV. No, that, that's a real thing. We had a family uh, in my uh, church. Um, they were from South Africa and they immigrated to the United States because the witch doctor in their village was telling people that the cure to AIDS is fucking raping a white woman. Yeah, because yeah. I, I saw that in a board documentary where there were... They were shopping or something. They had their two-year-old daughter, and these guys were offering to buy the daughter because they wanted to rape her and get cured of AIDS. And these guys were like, get the fuck away from my family. It's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, At least they they offered to buy her, though. That's kind of civilized. Yeah, and they had the bald bald people where you just crack their head open. Uh, That was in Mozambique, I think. They were were thinking gold was inside their heads, right? And they were... By the way, in Tanzania, witch doctors were actually outlawed. It's illegal to be a witch doctor in Tanzania because of the fucking albino thing. Yeah, there's a few. Uh, there's a few African countries where they've tried to like uh, outlaw witch doctors and it just hasn't worked. There's other ones where like witch doctors are like essentially part of the state apparatus, and you can't get rid of them at this point because they've ingrained themselves right yeah. within the state. And then you have other ones where it's like they've tried to ban witch hunting and they can't seem to stop their people from not hunting witches. It's kind of based, though. And yeah. it's like the same thing you imagine witch hunting to be, so it's like like half the stuff you need to do to like be proven innocent will just kill you. Right. Well, there was a case in, there was a case in London, I think, in like 2008, where a, uh, a child was like found out like washed in the river and like a... Uh, there was strong occultic things like that, but it ended up being, like, some, like, gang from, like, West Africa, like, killed him for, like, some sort of witchcraft purpose or whatever. I can't remember exactly how it went down, but it was, I mean, it literally happens in Florida and, like, Jamaica, Queens all the time. You just have these islanders who believe similar things, and they just, like, oh, yeah, you need, like, parts from a person to do this. I mean, you import Africa, you get the African things. There's nothing bad about migrating africans into europe there's nothing bad about it guys nothing bad nothing 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 bad bad there are greatest strength you just need all that you just don't have enough diversity to make it stronger yeah doctors are the greatest thing about the west let's be honest (laughs) so i got another video on witch doctors if you guys don't have anything else to say on witch doctors darker darker let's play the video let's go for it Johannesburg, the biggest and most modern city in Africa. But as the continent charges towards the 21st century, there are still mysterious and ancient forces at work here. 
meet Seth Soroka, a third generation traditional healer or Sangoma. Seth has turned African yeah, the word into of the a day. lucrative money spinner He's from the just trying to make shine. It's is that Nestle's quick he's putting in there? This is his arsenal of secret <laughs> weapons to keep the thieves at bay. Secretions from the lungs of a lion. Is that the hot sauce that Hillary Clinton keeps in her purse? Name a few. So, so how do these substances... It's, uh, it's Dale Gribble's pocket sand. Uh, this substance is, you know, keeps <laughs> away because uh, if you, you walk, then you see a lion, you run away. This is the voice actor for the witch doctor in Diablo 3. <laughs> it sounds just like his bruise for more than 40 white clients who call on his traditional medicines to allay their greatest fear, the fear of crime. It's a booming market with no shortage of potential customers. I wonder why. They need to come us to the healers and say, let's sit down and talk about this thing. And then we give them the guarantee, we sign a contract, then we start to give them the protection. Seth's work is a curious mix of centuries-old traditions and the ills of a modern society. Today's protection job is a nursery on the outskirts of Johannesburg. Give me sword. I'm sure Tony's probably get some pointers. Seth first met Linda DeLuca 12 months ago when he was called in to protect her fleet of Utes. A disgruntled former employee. Would you say Utes? And kill the drivers. Utes. So Seth was on the job. Are they urban Utes? ran out. Oh, I was referring to uh, my cousin Vinny. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? What happened? To what, son? Utes. In Soweto, right in the school. He was in a school and so the offloading trees. Yeah. So the mooties worn off. Yeah, well, Seth told me that it needs to be renewed, and then we didn't get round to it, so now my buggy's gone, so it's time to renew it. So Seth the Sangoma is back. The first job is to stop the criminals from coming into the nursery. What I'm doing here is to protect this nursery for Linda, so that when the criminals come that guy, like, digging while wearing a suit? That's pretty chad. That is kind of base. No. Putting more dirt into the dirt? dangerous. Yes, the oldest but he's a dirt farmer. How's he going to make it? Going to work. Adding dirt to dirt. Um, I think in this day and age, anything that'll protect you is fine. Um, but I wouldn't call on the Sangoma to sort my problems out. I believe those I can do myself. And yet, amongst the, the um, that population, there is a feeling that the Sangoma can help them to sort their problems out. Like give the After illusion of uh, the doing Boomers have money, and if you can trick them, you can uh, get them buy anything. Sounded like white this guilt. Like I shouldn't be using fucking this, uh, this African medicine to fucking help me out. To them, this is kind of this guy kind of reminds you of okay. Trump machine. I mean, I've had a lot of people put me down because I'm tolerant yeah, about like, that. Kind of looks like. Most people would pay me money to set fires in the yard. You're also dabbling with it. Yeah, it burns plastic too. You just have me in someone's yard set up. Take away the evidence. Any old fire water at about a hundred bucks a splash. This sort of traditional protection. What's in the water? They got fire bucks. You just put out there. That's why it's illegal to collect rainwater. Now we know. They charge much more if you're a business than if you're a private person. The secrets they keep from us. They don't want us using the rainwater voodoo ritual. Back at the office, there's a burning question of a rather more personal nature. Efrahim Klamini has, well, a rather nasty dose of the clap. Oh, shit. Throw up the bones, and Seth sees all. Like if, you know, you do intercourse with his, you know, Wife, oh yes, the bones tell know, me to tell you to go get some good medicine. Just get some penicillin, bro. <laughs> yeah. 
So if you're weak, obviously you cannot get perform moldy. whatever. Now call me a skeptic, but in the pursuit of journalistic truth, how could I possibly avoid throwing the bones? What's my future? Oh, look at that. So, what have we got? A farm Half of those aren't even bones, they're just shells. Especially your grandmother, because she's crying. She said, you do a lot of job, but you didn't what, do what is my anything future? to her. How do you so teach this crazy? You're about to get robbed. Now, I swear, 24 <laughs> hours earlier, <laughs> I my grandmother a farm had raid. rung. And you've got one guess That's what she happened. was talking about. Which bone told you that? Hey, the bone that bone? tells me that your grandmother, you know, she's... This one, uh, I don't know. Martha, a fucking bone bone. And this oh, the one, biggest one, these four basic bones means you are no more communicate with her. So she's like crying. Big shark tooth. I guess I'll just have yeah. to take it on faith that it was all in the bones. And sorry, Nan, I promise I'll call. No, I'll write every day. Or you could just be like Alistair Crowley and give her address to the Germans so I can get bombed. <laughs> I really hate that guy, man. Crowley. We gotta do an episode. Oh, I thought Crowley. you were hating the witch doctor. I was like, why? He's performing a service for these people. Oh, no, anyone dumb enough to fall for that, like, absolutely deserves what they get. Oh, yeah, dude. I have, I have no sympathy for morons who fall for that kind of shit. You need better African videos. Those tribes people in Africa, they don't give a fuck about no titties. <laughs> Wait, what? You're fucking right. <laughs> they see titties all day. Yeah, we need some of those. Can, Can we, we show you the I'm sure right now, well, we have to do an episode on freaking Crowley, because I will, I will go on, like, days rants on that. Just laying into the guy. Gratefully. Yeah. <laughs> a little drama. It's like... <laughs> so, are we about to wrap up this episode? Because I don't think I have any more content. Yeah, I think we had mostly the same content, too, so I don't really... Yeah. Oh, I think uh... we hit it. I think we hit it good. All right, yeah, yeah. let's uh, let's get to the portion where we shill. Yes. So, Firebat, where can the people find you that want to follow you? Currently, they can't find me anywhere. I'm gonna eventually get some social media set up for myself so people can. Um, yeah, that's about. It. I mean, for me, it's not about the shilling. It's about sending a message. Amran. <laughs> but I'll set something up eventually here. Okay. Uh, Rand, work. Rand, I mean, not Rand, but uh, Van. Duh. Duh. Uh, you work. can find us on a little show called Almost Positive. I swear to God, it's not a show about AIDS. It's, uh, it's a funny show. We do comedy. Great times. Good times. Wendigo, where can people find you at? I don't know if I want them to find me. Like like Firebat was saying, it's about sending a message. Yeah, Very... you're gonna do the Uncle Ted thing and just keep to your cabin in the woods. Yeah, basically. Okay. I don't want anything to do with that's, them. Uh, that's I can respect that. <laughs> if you like our philosophy, you you will seek us out and you will find us in a mountain pass. And then we'll yeah, we will tell like you the truth. Indian wife, yeah. yeah. We have like our Indian wife is our flathead war brides. Yeah, <laughs> and then that's when you like that's when we enlighten you and like you know a pass in Colorado. Those uh, other streams out there, they don't match this. They make a fraction of our power. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can follow follow me, you can find me on Twitter as uh, Master Oshi's Turtle Hermit Boomer posting at Big Sip a Monster, 
And you can follow the Atomic Shaman Sweat Lodge on Twitter at Hotel and RV Park. We also have a Facebook page. Feel free to follow that as well. And I'm going to play us out to a little tune about Eat the Pooper. Rama Rama. No, that's that's a totally different culture. That would be for like an Australian episode. We got the Eat the Poopoo remix from Uganda, <laughs> of all places. So here it goes. <laughs> Eat the poo-poo. Eat the poo-poo. Good morning, everyone. My name is uh, Pastor Dr. Martin Semba, Task Force Against Homosexuality in Uganda. We are making legislation to make sure that sodomy and homosexuality never sees the light of legality. To do a little research. Where they insert their hand to do a little research. Where they insert their hand, the other person is poo-pooing. We do not want this sickness. The other person is poo-pooing. We do not want this sickness. Fifty. Fifty. Ipa. Ipa. Now, if we have any children, please step out. This is a parental guidance moment. Fifty. Ipa. Fifty. Ipa. Fifty. Ipa. Eating poopoo. Where there's a man's anus eating poopoo. Where there's a man's anus eating poopoo. Where there's a man's anus poopoo. Where there's a man's anus. Into the anus all the way. Ah, start up Liza. Into the anus all the way. Ah, start up Liza. Into the anus all the way. Ah, start up Liza. Into the anus all the way. You can see a man here having sucked the other person's rectum. As Africans, we want to ask Barack Obama to explain to us, is this what he wants to bring to Africa as a human right? This is sick and it's therefore deviant. This is sick and it's therefore deviant. It is so painful they have to take drugs, but they enjoy it. It is so painful they have to take drugs, but they enjoy it. 50. Now, if we have any children, please step out. This is a parental guidance moment. Eating poopoo, we do not want it. We do not want it. Eating poopoo, we do not want it. We do not want it. Eating poopoo, we do not want it. We do not want it. Eating poopoo, we do not want it. Poopoo comes up, is he leaked like ice cream? Poopoo comes up, is he leaked like ice cream? Poopoo comes up, is he leaked like ice cream? Poopoo comes up, is he leaked like ice cream? Fisty. Deeper. Fisty. Deeper.